Whether you hug the infield tires or rip the cushion, you found the fastest dirt track podcast in motorsports. Welcome to Where Legends Are Made, the official podcast of Land of Legends Raceway. Here's Stephen and Brad Ovens. Hello, Land of Legends Raceway fans. This is episode number three of the Where Legends Are Made podcast. Back with you here this week is... Uh, we get ready uh, maybe to go racing here on this Saturday. You guys are going to get this on Saturday morning. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what the weather gives us today. Uh, it's one of those days where, you know, it doesn't necessarily look that great, but we'll see what happens. And uh, if you're catching us after Saturday, well, we'll get ready to go racing on uh, July 18th. Nonetheless, Stephen and Brad ovens here with you and Brad, the, uh, finally, uh, for the first time in 2020, we had fans in the grandstands and what a night that was, uh, to finally have, uh, butts in the seats, people cheering, people fist pumping. I mean, it was just an awesome night of racing. You know, I, I can't really tell you or explain to you how I feel kind of bad for saying this, but how for granted I took having the fans in the stands cause, uh, opening up and racing without fans from the start this year. Uh, it was different, but it wasn't really different from us because our jobs are all the same. We're, we're still giving 110% no matter what we're doing. Let me tell you what, when you opened that window on Saturday and you were yelling to fans and they were yelling back at you, you know, I know you've got all that hockey energy you didn't get to get out this year. So maybe we can use some of that this year in the racing. But uh, it was so cool hearing all the fans. And then the fact that you, the way that we started the cars and, and getting the fan participation into it, it was just, it literally, there's not a lot of things in racing these days that really send the goosebumps up and down my arms like it did Saturday, but that was one of them. You know, I hadn't even give that a thought, and I think you're absolutely right. You know, when, when and you've been down here to Elmira to some hockey games, you know, the, the hockey games and, and the, the role that I fill there for the hockey team is much where you're trying to get the crowd kind of pumped up and and there's a lot of times where you do something as the public address announcer that you kind of are looking for a reaction and a return from the fans. And maybe we don't do that as much on the racing side, but man, it was, boy, it felt good. And I, and I hadn't even give that a thought. That's a, that's a great point. Now, another great point is going to be made later on in the podcast. We've got the rooster, Scott Hickson for our a main interview of the week. And we've got a bonus a main for you. We've got Gibbs, Matt Guerry, winner of three sportsman features here in 2020. And both of our interviews uh, on this episode kind of expand on that idea of how good it was to have the fans there and something that they experienced and how they felt. And I can't wait for everybody to hear those interviews because they, they really gave great insight. And it's not just Brad or I giving our thoughts. These are, these are people that are either a staff or a driver at the track. And they really kind of went into depth on, on how they felt about it and what they were seeing and hearing and feeling at the racetrack. So uh, really excited for everybody to hear those. And uh, Brad, that's what we've got tonight. We have, uh, we're, we're going to just quickly talk uh, a little bit about the winners. Hell, let's, uh, uh, let, let's uh, step aside. Uh, we'll do heat race. Number one, we'll just talk quickly about the winners. And then we'll get right into heat race number two for our highlight of the week. Bob Miller has given us this week in Land of Legends Raceway history, where we look back on a uh, July 4th event at uh, Land of Legends Raceway. We've got a, a great history nugget from Bob this week for you. And then we'll get into our A-Main interviews 
of the week. And we've got some swag to give away. It's this week's Dash for Cash. You're not going to want to miss that at the end of the episode here tonight. Well, Brad, heat race number one. Normally, our heat races are eight laps in distance. We're going to trim this one down to two as uh, heat race one going to be a little bit shorter this week because we've got an extra interview for you here on this episode, on episode number three. So very briefly, heat race number one. Let's talk about the race winners. Um, Larry White gets a win, uh, and this is going back to Saturday, June 27th. Larry White got a win that was his, at the time, third feature win of 2020 at the Land of Legends, a cool $2,000 win. Zach Sabaka uh, out of Paris, just outside of Syracuse, got his second uh, feature win, and actually his second feature win in a row, and that was with the Dirt Car Northeast Sportsman Series, 50 Four cars showed up for the Dirt Car Northeast Sportsman. Uh, round of applause to the Dirt Car Northeast Sportsman. Uh, Dean Reynolds, Corey Reed, everybody behind that effort. Uh, just a fantastic job. And and how about this? Only one yellow flag. Two if you count the B feature. All night long. Heats, Concies, features, B feature. To only have a yellow, two yellows for the entire night. Bravo to the Dirt Car Northeast Sportsman Series. Also picking up a win back on June 27th was Alicia Bay. She got a win after battling hard with uh, Father Daryl. Side-by-side, lap after lap, Daryl got the lead. Alicia got him back. Uh, Daryl got the lead one more time. Alicia took it back again for good. She would end up winning that race, uh, picking up another feature win to her credit at the Land of Legends. Uh, So congratulations to Alicia and Josh Pangrazio getting his second street stock feature win of the season. And boy, he had a challenge from Mike Welch and Jimmy Grant to get that on a last lap restart. Jimmy Grant had uh, cut down uh, the lead uh, from just a few seconds uh, down to right to the back bumper of Pangrazio, but Pangrazio picked up the win. His second of 2020, he'll be your point leader. And uh, we go to Thursday, July 2nd, and Larry White with a daring move on Eric Rudolph with just 15 to go down to the inside, working lap traffic. Larry White gets another big win in the uh, Pepsi Big Block Modifieds here at the Land of Legends Raceway. And the sportsman, Matt Guerry Gibbs, one of our A-Main interviews here tonight, uh, I, sh- I keep saying tonight, it's this week, this week's episode. Matt Guerry gets his third win of the season. You'll hear from him later on. And uh, what a race between him and Kevin Root. The sportsmen have been putting on just as good uh, races as the big block modifieds have this season. It's just been spectacular. Let's, uh, let's roll aside here. When we come back, we will get into our heat race number two, which is Brad's favorite segment. That's the highlight of the week. Stay tuned. Land of Legends Raceway fans, tune in each and every week of the racing season to Where Legends Are Made, a podcast dedicated to covering the drama, excitement, and hear from the drivers from your favorite dirt track. Stephen Ovens and Brad Ovens walk you through the week that was Where Legends Are Made. Subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts and visit landoflegendspodcast.com. Fans of Land of Legends Raceway, and the Where Legends Are Made podcast, we've got a great opportunity for you to feature your business 
We have opportunities here to sponsor Where Legends Are Made. We have all different features of the podcast. You can pick to be a sponsor of one of our heat races. Maybe you want your business name attached to the top 10 read-offs for the week. Maybe you want your business to be the one that's heard when we play our highlight of the week. Maybe you're a history buff. You want to sponsor Heat with three, where we talk about this week in Land of Legends Raceway history. Maybe you want to be the A main sponsor. So when we interview our main driver of the week, you want to get your business out in front of that. We've got plenty of opportunities for you to do so, and we can work inside of any budget. And believe me, if you're listening to this and you're saying, oh, I don't think my business has the advertising budget to sponsor a podcast. Believe me, we can fit inside of anybody's advertising budget. Get your business a little bit of advertising here on where legends are made. Contact us right here on the Land of Legends Raceway Facebook page if you're interested and put your business in front of all of our fans where legends are made. Now it's time for this week's highlight of the week. Take it away, Brad. A daring pass and turn number three on lap number 19 coming to complete 20 of the Pepsi Big Block Modified feature. This is your highlight of the week. Rudolph will get by Susie, and now here comes White down to the bottom into turn number three. They are fighting. Hell, there goes White! White down to the bottom, and he takes the lead. What a move by Lightning Larry White. 20 laps in, 15 to go, and you've got a new race leader. I don't know where White came from to make that move. That was just flat impressive. Let's roll back the calendar with This Week in Land of Legends history. Yeah, it's time for This Week in Land of Legends Raceway history. I want to thank Bob Miller for putting some great stuff together for us. Uh, the track historian uh, in terms of stories, stats, news articles. And he's just, he has so much good stuff. And with last weekend being the Independence Holiday Weekend and racing taking place on Thursday, Got to talking to Bob about uh, July 4th history at the Land of Legends Raceway, and we got talking about history in the 1990s, Brad. How about this? In the 90s at the Land of Legends Raceway, out of that decade, Mother Nature claimed four events to reign. And then uh, look at this who's who list of who picked up wins on 4th of July events when it wasn't rained out. Alan Johnson won two, Bob McCready won two, Steve Payne won one feature on the July 4th special. But Brad, can you guess who the guy was in 1994 who won a 4th of July special at the Land of Legends? Um, just going completely on a personal guess. Gary Tompkins. Negative. Was not in the top five that night. Here's your top five. I'll start from fifth. I'll work forward. And there's some pretty good names here and a nice mix of names. Because you think about the Land of Legends back in 1994. Can I, I get mean, a second guess? Go for it. Well, I, you, know, you know what? Well, no, that was right around that era. I was thinking Joe Plazic, but I'm actually okay. thinking he may not have been a full-timer until 95-ish. Well, he was, he was in the top five. So here's your top five. Now, this is, like I said, a good mix, because if you think back to 94, there was the, you know, Land of Legends on Saturday nights. It was a who's who of the Super Dirt Car series and, and the top talent. Here's your top five, starting from fifth. Johnny Ventura 
Good run there for Ventura. Steve Payne was fourth. Sergeant Schultz. Steve Schultz finished third. Brad's pick, Joe Plazic, was second that night. And winning the big block modified feature on the July 4th event, 1994, the gas man himself driving the water wagon, Johnny Moravic. Nice. So how about that for you? Now, you, you think that's cool. It gets cooler. The sportsman top five that night, and I'll start with the winner and go to the fifth. Daryl Ruggles, the motorized madman, wins the sportsman that night. Brian Turner was second. Todd Burley was third. Franny Hilton was fourth. Scott McKernan, your top five. That was in the sportsman division. No surprise here. Steve Pizarek won the street stocks. And Dan Mettler won the pure stocks. That was all from July 2nd, 1994. So pretty interesting stuff there. I mean, AJ and Bob McCready, you know, right at the top of the all-time feature win list. Payne, who's at the top of the all-time track champions list. And then a guy that Brad and I grew up rooting for who is not very high on the wins list. But man, for a couple of kids from Penn Yen, it didn't get no better than Johnny Moravic and the water wagon. So uh, good stuff. Thank you very much to Bob Miller. And hopefully uh, I know that people that tune in, uh, we're going to have a lot more of these history segments. We hope you enjoy them. We hope you learn something. Maybe if you're a new fan, you get to hear some names from yesteryear. And we hope you enjoyed that. This week in Land of Legends Raceway history. Land of Legends Raceway fans, tune in each and every week of the racing season to Where Legends Are Made, a podcast dedicated to covering the drama, excitement, and hear from the drivers from your favorite dirt track. Stephen Ovens and Brad Ovens walk you through the week that was Where Legends Are Made. Subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts and visit landoflegendspodcast.com. Fans of Land of Legends Raceway and the Where Legends Are Made podcast, We've got a great opportunity for you to feature your business. We have opportunities here to sponsor where legends are made. We have all different features of the podcast. You can pick to be a sponsor of one of our heat races. Maybe you want your business name attached to the top 10 read-offs for the week. Maybe you want your business to be the one that's heard when we play our highlight of the week. Maybe you're a history buff. You want to sponsor heat with three where we talk about this week in Land of Legends Raceway history. Maybe you want to be the A main sponsor. So when we interview our main driver of the week, you want to get your business out in front of that. We've got plenty of opportunities for you to do so, and we can work inside of any budget. And believe me, if you're listening to this and you're saying, oh, I don't think my business has the advertising budget to sponsor a podcast, believe me, we can fit inside of anybody's advertising budget. Get your business a little bit of advertising here on where legends are made. Contact us right here on the Land of Legends Raceway Facebook page if you're interested and put your business in front of all of our fans where legends are made. Whether you hug the infield tires or rip the cushion, you found the fastest dirt track podcast in motorsports. Welcome to Where Legends Are Made, the official podcast of Land of Legends Raceway. Here's Stephen and Brad Ovens. By the grace of God and 800 horsepower, it's time for the A-Main interview of the week. Yes, that's right. It's our A-Main interview of the week. And this week, our A-Main interview is with none other than our head flagger, Scott Hickson, who is often, he's, I, I 
told him earlier when I, when we asked him about doing this interview, which by the way, thank you to the two fans that uh, sent in requests. Uh, this was, uh, this was somebody that we wanted to interview at some point on the podcast, but Scott, uh, the fans wanted to hear from you even sooner. So that's, uh, that's gotta feel, that's gotta be pretty cool for you. Yeah, especially being part of the A-Main interview, you know, so <laughs> thank you. I have to ask, uh, you know, as we get ready to start this interview, I'm, I have to ask, where did the nickname The Rooster come from? <laughs> well, um, it, it came from an incident on, a, on the track at, at another track that I that I worked at. Um uh, a driver was not, um, he was penalized and he was not going back to the back of the pack like he was asked to do several times. So I had to go out on the track, stop him, explain to him what happened and why we're putting him to the back. Well, he popped it into gear and he rooster tailed me. And oh, I boy. told him, and I told him he could park it for the night. And I gave the reason why over the radio. Somebody must have heard that and gave a little birdie into Shane Andrews's ear, and Shane Andrew kind of came up with that nickname, and it has stuck ever since. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, I, I know that that was, you know, uh, a question that we couldn't have the rooster on the podcast and not find out where the name came from. And how, how is it not a surprise that it was Shane Andrews? <laughs> yeah, Shane, Shane's a piece of work, no doubt. Awesome. Uh, so we, we've been having fun. Uh, we, we've been having fun with these interviews and, and, you know, the idea is to, you know, get drivers, but also to get some of the people that help make the shows happen on Saturday nights or Thursday nights or whatever night is that we might be running. And uh, you, you definitely came up with, uh, with several of our fans. You, you definitely, you know, got a, a, a bit of a following at the track. You've been there for years now but before we get into some of that uh i i think it i always like going chronologically and and so i'm gonna start back and and my first question is what is your earliest memory of racing because i know you like so many of us kind of grew up in this sport but i'm curious what your your first racing memory was when you were a kid Oh, my first racing memory had to be at the old Dundee Speedway, probably when my dad was racing, probably like 1989, somewhere around there. Um, that's, uh, that's my earliest vivid memory of being at the racetrack. And the only reason why I remember that is, um, uh, you know, my grand, my grandmother made me little flags to stand in front of the crane stand. Like you see a lot of the kids do now, um, and mimic the head starter. And the reason why this is such a vivid memory is because he's a longtime friend and, it's unfortunate that we don't have them here anymore, but uh, Steve Kellogg was the head starter at that point. And um, I remember that night vividly because he asked me to go up in the flag stand. And I think that was just one of the greatest experiences I had with that point in time. Those had to be pretty good memories back in, in those years, because if, if I remember correctly, uh, dad wasn't doing too shabby back then in those days, 89, dad 90. Yeah, dad wasn't doing too bad at all back then. Um, uh, I don't remember too much 
earlier than that, but um, I think he had a few track championships in 89, and it continued into 90. Um, he got a pretty good sponsor at some point within those two years, and uh, he became the Mr. Dirt champion of the Sportsman Series um, back in 91. So you, you talk about, you know, that, that experience, you know, that first time, you know, when, when Kellogg invited you up on the stand is, is it that moment or is there another moment down the road where, you know, you, you kind of, kind of caught the, the bug for, for the flag sticks and the, and the flag stand, or, or is there something <laughs> completely different that kind of, you know, got you thinking, you know, I think this is something I, I want to do. Well, I mean, going, going to the, you know, mimicking the head starter, I had it been a lot, a little bit before that point in time, um, you know, just like any other four or five-year-old kid, you know, begging the parents to go down and get them, get them a fried dough or a hot chocolate at that point. I think my grandmother was um, kind of getting sick of that and she wanted to watch the races. So um, she did make me these little, you know, felt flags and, you know, God rest her soul. She, she told me, I remember this too. She told me when she handed me those flags, she said, you see that guy up there? Um, I want you to, you know, be right in front of us, watch him because you're going to be that guy someday. So I think what, how my grandmother, you know, told me that just kind of instilled the thing in my, in my brain that, you know, I'm going to be that guy someday, especially after her passing. I just wanted to do that for her. And it's, um, it's become a, a great experience ever since I got one of those first flagging gigs. That's, that's gotta be one of those moments. That's almost, you know, I, I know everybody in racing probably has that and, and it's different for everybody, but there's that one thing that when you go to the racetrack, there's that one memory or maybe a person or, or something that happened in the past where every time you roll into the racetrack or, or for you, when you unfurl the flags and put them into their place, but at the beginning of the night, that that's gotta be something that rolls through your mind. Yeah, no doubt. Um, my fondest memories of any racetrack is land of legends raceway. It is, um, that's where I grew up. That's where, you know, that's where my dad has the most success. Um, just more memories out of that track than any other, other one around. And, um, you know, now working at that track for years and years now, it's, um, you know, my grandmother and grandfather always sat up and turned four. And there's, there's a few times you go up in the grandstand, you just sit where they sat, you know, just reflecting on some of the memories you had. And, um, it's always fulfilling to, um, live out your dreams you had as a little kid and then fulfilling those dreams that your grandmother and grandfather put into place and doing that you know you, you can always tell they're smiling down on you at that point in time definitely what was that phone call like when, when you got that phone call that you know says hey uh you're, you're gonna be the guy uh at a track that that you grew up at what what was that yeah. phone call like um i had been I had big shoes to fill, no yeah. doubt about that, you know, um, from, you know, Jay Drinkwater to, you know, David Farney um, and others that, you know, flagged before my memories, even before that, um, 
you know, I was honored. Um, it was kind of like a surprise, um, but definitely ex- excitement. And I get the excitement every every time I'm up in the flag stand, no matter what track it's at. There's uh, there's a few things that I that I want to talk about here, and and I, I've I've got I've got notes down, and and I'm <laughs> I'm kind of deciding what direction we go to first here. I mean, let, let's go let's go to to this past Thursday night, because um, okay. you're you're talking about those experiences and and how you get excited every time you're there, and and a conversation that you and I had after the races on Thursday night was something that I thought would be so cool to mention for the listeners of the podcast here. You, you experienced something on Thursday that I I think only one person being you would have had the vantage point to see. And, and it was when we got the fans involved in firing the engines on Thursday night, you had a great view of the, the the front row cars. Tell me about that. So, um, for anybody that doesn't know, we stopped all the cars on the front chute, had their cars turned off. And then, you know, you, Stephen, you gave the, you know, gentlemen, start your engines. You had the fans ask, ask that to the drivers. When the engines were turned off, you could just tell it was a different, different, um, vibe in the facility compared to the, uh, the first six races that we've had so far this year. And if I remember right, it was uh, Matt Greary and Kevin Ridley on the front row. And when those engines were silent and you were given, uh, going through your little, um, spiel with the fans, the, Grin on those two drivers' faces was unlike anything I've ever seen before. And they're as soon as they before they started those engines, you could see them. They're shaking their head. They got they're smiling. You could tell that it was just something was different about Thursday than I don't think any other experience I've had at a racetrack. And it was just great to see all those fans back in the stands, and um, great to see those drivers actually feel the excitement of the fans back in the stands as well. Absolutely. I, I mean, even before we got to that point in the features, I think probably just looking behind you and not seeing empty grandstand, that had to be a whole new experience, which we probably take for granted on, in a normal season. Yeah, you, you definitely can, can feed off the off the, the fans in the stands, um, whether it be, you know, them cheering for their favorite driver driver we get um, that uh, that vibe off off the grandstands but I'm gonna be totally honest with you um, you don't I don't notice it that much at all when we're racing um, it was great to when we got for hot laps you get up there you look around and you're like yeah you're smiling it's great to have people back but you know when as soon as those guys stop on that gas pedal it's uh, all business and you kind of just kind of tune it out a little bit um you know you're so focused on the task at hand yeah for sure uh we we put a we put a little question up here on the facebook page uh asking uh the fans or and i've even got a driver here and we said if you could ask our head flagger one question in an interview what would you ask and i've got one 
pretty good question, and I got one that's that's kind of tongue in cheek here. But the the okay. one the one that I liked is is from Jason Doty, who's um, I, I don't think he's run with us this year, but he's a, a former street stock driver yep. uh, that was there with us last year. He said, "If you could be a head starter at one race, what track would it be at?" Uh, well, we can't do that anymore. Um, it would have been the you know, the New York state mile, that's, uh, that would have been, that would my, that was my ultimate dream before it all came crumbling down. Um, but I would have to say right now, it would have to be Williams Grove. So I, I'm telling you what, uh, Nick LeGrette, our turn four flagger and I took a trip down there this weekend and Oh my God, that, that was an awesome experience that I had just sitting in the stands and watching. And I want to be a part of that someday. That was great. Um, so I think at this point in time, it would have to be Williams Grove Speedway. Awesome. I, I like it. I saw that you guys had it down there. What was, what was the big takeaway from Williams Grove? What was the thing that impressed you guys the most there? the speed <laughs> yeah. that, that, that place is just stupid fast um, the tight turns um, the great racing that they had you know multiple grooves um, and just uh, the speed coming down those back the back shoot I've never seen a sprint car and I, I'm sure those guys down in Pennsylvania they, they see it all the time but man us, us New York State guys you never see those um, those cars lean to the left going down the front shoot like uh, like I've seen it was um, that was that was incredible the other question that we had come in here was uh, a little bit tongue in cheek here is a, a question from Antonio. Uh, okay. He says uh, with the cancellation of the Ontario County fair this year, uh, he's just checking in. He wants to make sure you're going to be okay with no crowing contest this year. I've been practicing Antonio. So you don't have to worry. <laughs> I've been, I, I'm good with the no crowing contest this year, but I'll, I'll be ready for next year. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, appreciate the folks that were uh, chiming in here with the question. I, I think I might even have, uh, oh, we've got two more that came in here. Um, let's see. We've got Michael Gleason. Uh, we've got Bill Foley. So we've got all sorts of questions that came in. I, I appreciate that. Uh, is there... Oh, I, okay. I was trying to read Bill's question and now I understand it. Bill says, and, and you may have answered this already earlier, but Bill wants to know, is there ever that, why am I standing here doing this at this moment? <laughs> um, to answer Bill's question. Yeah. There, there's been, um, there's been a few times where you kind of just say, who's the dumbass that stands up on top of cars going underneath you about 120, 140 miles an hour. Um, but you know, it's, it's one of those things that you, you have a very unique specific job that I, there not a lot of people are able to do. Um, so yeah, every once in a while you're like, why am I doing this? But on the other hand, you, you take, you know, you kind of take that for granted and there's not a lot of people that are skilled and trained to do something like that. And, um, you know, you, you kind of take pride in it. So, yeah. 
Well, I mean, this year you talk about that. I mean, my goodness, even just on the green flags, now that we have rooster vision up on the flag stand, you know, we kind of see for a brief second when the camera's on you there for the green flag, we kind of see sometimes what it is you guys deal with right on those green flags. I mean, it's, it's quite a, it's quite a rush of air, dirt, power. I mean, there's a lot of good and and maybe a lot of bad there. All the above. Hopefully it's not, we've never really had a a too bad of experience up there and knock on wood that we don't. Um, But that, that's my adrenaline rush. It's those green flags. It's, um, you know, it's really not the green flag itself. It's uh, the, the next lap when they're at full song, you know, coming off of turn four. And, um, you know, you get that wind, you get the dirt, get the, the real powerful race fumes coming up in your face. It's just, um, that's my drug. And, and it's, um, you know, it, it, every, every winter you get, you're like Jones and for more and you're just can't wait to get back on the track just to feel that again. And, um, it was, so, it was a little tough this year because you weren't, you didn't know if you were going to get that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody's kind of been in that. And, you know, I, I think, you know, for us at land of legends, we almost, I, I almost think that we've almost we've kind of even gotten past that point because we've had some events at the racetrack now. Yeah. And and at some moments I kind of have to I know I have to take a step back and and remember that until Thursday night nobody else was coming to get that experience. I mean, right. it was all be a, a very altered experience for us that was at the track without the fans there. But sometimes I find myself having to take that step back and, and remember that, man, people were really jacked up on Thursday night because yeah. that, that, that was the first time, you know, it wasn't yeah. six events in the season. Yeah, it, it was tough to not put posts up, you know, because I, you know, you didn't want to slap people in the face that weren't able to attend. Um, but, you know, I always take a few pictures and stuff and post them up on my personal Facebook page. And I, I noticed myself doing that a lot less because, you know, it, I don't want to want to be on the other side of the fence and not be not be able to come to a racetrack and experience that stuff. And, and then being, you know, having people there and seeing it all over the place, that that would kind of suck. So, yeah, Yeah, definitely. Um, let's, let's talk quickly here. Um, you know, one of the things that I thought was, was really neat, uh, that we started last year and, and, you know, I I know it it might, you know, look a little bit different and, and, you know, who knows, you know, rather we'll, we'll, uh, maybe that maybe that's a question I can ask you. Like last year, the replace the rooster program. Like yep. you know, for years, and, and this wasn't just a last year thing. Like for years, you know, the one thing that I thought Dave Farney always did so well when he was the head flagger, and and now you have really taken that torch and run with it is being so good with our young fans because. I think for you, especially, you know, I think you can relate with our younger fans so well, especially with the ones that bring their flags with them to the racetrack. I mean, that was, that was you X number of years ago. 
Yeah. Um, you, you know, our youth and our sport is the most important. Um, you know, if we don't have that youth and, you know, gravitating towards racing, whether it be dirt track racing, asphalt, any, any sort of racing, the, the, the motorsports industry is going to start to go down. So we need to keep our youth as involved as possible. And I can connect, like you said, I can connect to the kid at the grandstand, uh, waving the, waving the flags, or even if it was just the first time a kid was even at the racetrack, having him come up for, let's just say this past Thursday, um, we had, we had a little girl. She, I think she, it was her birthday. It was her nine-year-old birthday. You know, uh, she's been to the track a couple of times, but now she has an experience to take away with that. That's even better than just sitting in the grandstands and watching a race. And now we might have a fan that's hooked for life. Um, and that's very important for our sport and our industry is to keep that youth involved. And, um, cause if we don't, um, who knows what could happen. No, ab- absolutely. That's, that's for sure. The, the other thing that, you know, was one of those moments that I noticed going back through the video from Thursday night was, you know, you, you talk about, you know, the kids that bring their flags and man, when, when you were throwing the white flag for the modifieds, getting ready to get that feature started up. I mean, there's a young man right there in the front row. I mean, and, and he is, I mean, it was like a mirror image. I mean, (laughs) what these kids do, it's just, it's, it's incredible. And, and to think that, you know, that job at the racetrack that you have is something that, you know, is so impressionable on our young fans. It's just a, it's, it's really cool to see it in action and it's cool to see them get to interact with you at the track, you know, whether it's intermission or before the races or whatnot. And, um, man, I, I just can't help but think that, you know, uh, for, for what small amount of time that, that you take aside and I know others at other racetracks do as well, you know, that short amount of time that you take out of your, your night is, is just, you know, is such a big thing for them. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. I mean, like I said, the youth is, the youth is a big part of our keeping our industry alive. And, um, again, I can relate to all those kids or, you know, it's, it's kind of, I, I know exactly who you're talking about. Cause I think he was the only one there on Thursday, but to be honest with you, that's my cousin um and he's got better waving skills than i do at this point in time he's 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 good um and and, you know who who knows eventually one of those kids that are down there or even somebody that's you know a kid that doesn't bring his flags to the racetrack he could have my job one day up there you know after i you know call it quits and that's that's one of those things that you know as long as you're you're a good mentor to those kids hopefully that that mentoring lasts all the way through their tenure as well. We got a, a, another fan question that came in and this is an interesting question. I, I wouldn't have had it on my list and I, I like it. Have you ever had to call in sick to flag a race? No, <laughs> I, I don't care if I'm on my deathbed. I'm going to try to figure out somehow to get, get up there in that flag stand. Uh, yeah, I would, I wouldn't say that I would never, never do that, but as of right now, no, I have not. Um, it's, uh, it's just one of those things where I don't care if I got 
you know, I'm sick on my deathbed. I'm going to try to figure out a way to get up in that flag stand on a, on one of those nights that I have to do my duties. Awesome, man. Uh, last question here. I can't believe how quick this time has flown by already. Um, last question. I saw that you checked off Williams Grove. What other tracks have you got on your list, whether it's this year, next year, whenever? What, what's the next track you'd like to check off on your list? Well, Nick and I were actually talking about that. Lincoln is one of my tracks I haven't checked off yet. That's part of the PA posse, but um, definitely Eldora and Knoxville. Those are the those are the two you know prestigious tracks still on my list. But uh, I'm hopefully I can get to, to Lincoln at some point. Uh, this year um but you know outdoor in knoxville is a little bit longer of a drive and kind of a little bit more planning to do with that so hopefully i can get them checked off soon awesome awesome man well uh we appreciate the time here talking to us here on the uh where legends are made podcast it's the a main interview of the week and it came uh it came by request and we're happy to fulfill that request and we will see you at the racetrack this weekend Sounds good, Stephen. Thank you. All right. There's Scott Hickson, our A main interview of the week. He was by popular request. And now you've heard from the rooster. Well, this week's A main interviews got a little bonus coverage for you here this week on the where legends are made podcast. And joining us now here is uh, our sportsman winner from the speed connection sportsman last Thursday evening, getting ready to go for his fourth win of the season, maybe two in a row. Let's see what he can do here Saturday night. Matt Query joins us here on Where Legends Are Made. Matt, welcome aboard, and uh, I know we're not the first, but uh, let us add our congratulations to Thursday night. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me on. Um, It was good. We had a good draw through the gate, and good draw for the feature, and the rest was history. What what has been the I mean I'll just get right to it man what what has been the difference this season I know that when you got your first win of the season you know we we kind of had fun with the fact that you know you got to win early on you don't got to worry about that for the rest of the year what yeah. what has been the difference this year you've ripped off three already here at midseason uh, I think it was a combination of a bunch of things so uh, I had a 2015 Bicknell last the last couple years and. Um, two winters ago, we put a front clip on it and it just, just couldn't get a handle on it. No matter what we did through at it, it, it just wouldn't handle and scratched our heads all summer and struggled. We were always a top five car, just never good enough to win. Um, this off season, I bought a 2019 frame and body off of Maddie Williamson. It was one of the buzz shoe cars. Okay. Um, it had about nine races on it. So I bolted all my stuff on that car and switched over to the coilover package and different suspension than what I had been running. And um, we just stumbled on a few things right out of the gate and it's been good ever since. So we started on the coils right from the get go this year. Yep. Uh, first time I put them on, we went to Canada with practice and the first session out, the thing was unbelievable how it drove and I literally haven't touched a thing on it since then. Have you had to really alter your driving style with, with the new suspension? Um, not so much. I'm, I normally like to drive aggressively anyways. Um, 
they like to be hard on the throttle and into the corners just to keep the car propped up with the left side pan hard and the coils and stuff on it. Um, for me, I feel like I didn't have to change too many things. Um, there was a few things you got to get adjusted to when the, when the track gets slick. But um, other than that, I know my brother struggles a little bit uh, just because he has a different driving style. He's like a bottom feeder and easy on the gas which is a little tougher when you switch over, you know, you got to be hard on the gas in the corners. So for some people, it's, it's a different thing to get used to. Yeah, for sure. I mean, if that's kind of been, at least in the sportsman class, that's not been the storyline, but it's been one of the storylines of seeing guys when they are going to switch over, if they switch over, I, I think, what is it? I think Kane Bristol is the only guy left now that's been running up toward the, the top five, top 10 here to start the season. Yeah. I mean, when they come out with something, if you know, these crate motors, you need every little edge you can. And I feel like everyone ran on torsion bars and a right side pan art for so many years. It's like, you can only get so much out of them. And, um, I mean, some track conditions, you can still, obviously, you're still just as good with a right side pan art and torsion bars. Um, just other, there's other situations where the coilovers and left side pan art will help, which obviously it goes to show with Kane. Kane's been fast pretty much all year uh, running up front. So uh, I guess it's just your, the type of driving style. And if you can find the right setup and get it to work on any track condition, you'll be good. It seems like in the, the races that you've taken the checkered flag this year, they've not been easy by any means. I mean, yeah, Thursday night, you know, somebody might look at the starting lineup and the finish and say, you know, well, he had a great car and he started up front, but that wasn't, that wasn't necessarily the case because you and Kevin put on a hell of a battle. I know. Um, Thursday, he got up, I think he was second on lap two or three, whatever it was. We had a caution. I happened to look at the board and I'm like, man, he's already second. So I knew I had my hands full already right off the gate with him. So just to be able to hold him off for the rest of the race, I felt like was a huge accomplishment for me. I mean, last time we restarted on the front row together, he got me on a restart and he just fired better than I did. So obviously that's always in the back of your head, but uh, it makes you feel good. I mean, Kevin's, he's the one to beat in our class over the last couple of years. Last year he won every race under the sun. So yeah. just to be able to run up front with him and be competitive with him and be able to beat him a couple nights, you know, it makes you feel good. Definitely. I know that early on in either the first or second, when you had talked about, and, and, you know, everybody knows that, you know, you and, and Matt have such a great relationship as friends. And, and you talked about how much he's helped your program in the off season. How tough has it been now that he's at a different racetrack on Saturdays? Is it just as easy or does that make it a little harder to bounce some ideas off of uh, on race night? Um, when the year started out, it kind of made me nervous before we got to the first week, just not knowing, I used to get out of my car after a heat race and I could go over and talk to him in the trailer with him and Randy Kazaki and they could explain things to me and we could get him and haw about it. Um, then it was, it kind of worried me that, that I wasn't going to have that luxury, but, um, luckily we were faster right out of the gate the first week and I haven't really needed to change too much. So. Um, I, I still have called them a few times over the, on the phone, you know, while they're down at Middletown and they give me some pointers over the phone, but, um, it's been a lot easier than I thought it would be. Well, it's definitely, uh, you've definitely had a, a hell of a start to the season, it, you know, at, at this point, and, and it's kind of crazy, you know, we're coming into, you know, we're, we're, 
what a normal season would look like. We're already past halfway. Uh, you've had a great start. I know Thursday was just show up points, but uh, you're right in the thick of it. And, you know, we raced this week, you know, Mother Nature holding out for us, hopefully. And then next week you come into double points. And then before you know it, we're into August. Um, what is your mindset here coming into these last six, seven races, uh, knowing that you, know, you guys are right there? You're one of the players right now. It's kind of bizarre. We've had seven races. Um, I've had three wins, a second, a third, a fourth, and a, an eighth. And I still sit at fourth in points just because we've only had the one point race and the rest were show up. So it's in one breath, it's kind of nice because you can go and obviously we've had six races that were, were draw or time trials, which benefits me. You know, it's, you don't get handicapped so far back. So, you know, that's what a lot of drivers like. And the same token, um, it kind of narrows down the point races that we have. And it's like, if those were point races, I would be, you know, I'd be better off in the points right now. But um, the way I look at it is that I struggled a lot last year um, with getting a handle on my car and a bunch of things. And it was a frustrating year. And this year to come out of the gate and have, you know, seven good runs already and three wins, it's more than I thought I would accomplish this year. So, I mean, I would just go into the rest of the races, you know, just go out and try to win every race. And if we end up on top, then we do. And if not, then, you know, I'd still be happy with the year we had. Is this season 2020, you know, with the success you've had so far and, and we've still got a, uh, you know, a good amount of races left. Is, is it already a win for you this year? It definitely is. Um, like I said, uh, a couple of years ago, I had three wins in a year, but the rest of the year, it wasn't really consistent enough. And I feel like this year, my car is good enough to be consistent enough. And I feel like, you know, I've had a car that could win the race, in every race we've been in, which I haven't felt like that before any other year this far into it. So um, I would definitely consider it a win so far this year. Has that taken some pressure off of of you? I I imagine last year, you know, had to be frustrating and and now coming in with some updated equipment might have put some pressure on your shoulders. Do do you feel like that's been lifted? Yeah, big time. like I said, last year, you know, when you get frustrated and you start, you know, you're running fifth and sixth and it's like, man, am I ever going to figure it out where, you know, am I ever going to win a race again? Like, you don't really know what to do and you get frustrated and it's a long summer. So, um, it was kind of nerve wracking going into this year with a new car and, um, a different, you know, a bunch of updated parts and suspensions. Like I didn't even know what to expect, but, um, I couldn't have been happier with the way it started so far. Absolutely, man. It's, it's been a great start for you guys. Um, I, I know that, you know, you've got a lot of folks that are helping out the effort and uh, have been a part of that. Uh, I do want to ask you though, uh, your, your comment, uh, made the highlight reel that came out this morning. Uh, we're, we're recording this on Thursday talking about the fans being back and, and how huge that was. What did that mean to get a win with the first, you know, first time the fans being back? It was awesome. I mean, like I said, in the interview, the first six races, it's just not the same. You roll out and, and no one's in the stands. It's kind of an eerie feeling like, you know, no one's, it's just something you're not accustomed to. And, um, Thursday to see all the fans back out and hooting and hollering and getting into it with, you know, yourself up there announcing in the booth. 
um, it was pretty neat to see everybody back. And it's, you know, I guess it's some things you take for granted when you get busy with life and racing and you don't really get, you know, just think about, you know, the, the little things you take for granted, getting able to being able to go to the racetrack and, you know, racing in front of a bunch of people in the stands. You don't really think about that. Yeah. So, Oh man, it's, it's been such a, a good run for you here of late and, and to start the season, uh, we wanted a, a chance, you know, we told Scott Hickson and, and the same was for you. Uh, we've had requests, multiple requests for you and both the rooster to be on the podcast. So we're happy to get you both here on the same episode. And, um, but before I, I get you out of here, you know, thank you for your time. And I want to give you a, an opportunity to, to thank all the people that have been a part of the success here to start the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, obviously my wife, Hannah, she, she, she puts up with a lot of crap during the summer. It's not easy. You know, you live a busy life in the shop all the time and working and your Saturdays are tied up. So the weddings and the parties and all that are gone. Um, of course, all my sponsors, tradition automotive, um, Mohawk Northeast product nine, Waterloo Container, Champion Power Equipment, Super Gen, uh, BA Exhaust, Mojo's Tavern in Waterloo, Sunset Bowl in Geneva, Trout's Auto Recycling, uh, Regional Heating and Cooling. Uh, my brother, you know, he works hard at the racetrack, John Cordovani. Um, he's another crew guy of ours. He, you know, they work their butts off on Saturday. They never get the recognition, you know, as, that the drivers do. Uh, my dad, my mom, you know, a lot of people support us at the track and off the track. So it takes a lot of good people. Well, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask this question before we get out of here. We were talking to, to Scott Hickson about his nickname. Where did Gibbs come from? Um, honestly, it's, it's not even that good of a story. We used to play the, with a little matchbox, um, dirt diecast cars. And we were, when we were younger with my brother and I, um, Anthony, we'd, uh, we'd always fight over who we were going to pick. And I always picked a Mitch Gibbs car um, <laughs> for whatever reason. I don't even know why um, they'd take it and I'd throw a fit until my parents made them give it back to me. And they started calling me Gibbs and I used to hate it. And the more I hated it, the more they call it and it's stuck ever since. Well, I'll tell you what, man, that was not the story that I was expecting, no. <laughs> but, but I'm glad I asked that question because, you know, you've had so many good runs and you know, the, the, the nickname comes up often, uh, as, as, as much as you've been running up front and a, a couple of fans that requested you actually requested, they wanted to know where the name came from. Well, now they know <laughs> if they listen here to the podcast, man, that's, that's great stuff. Yep. A lot of people always ask me and that's, that's always their response too. It's not really what they're expecting. Awesome, man. Well, congratulations on the early success here and uh, you know, we wish you well, hope you keep it rolling here uh, throughout the season and uh, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if you can get another one here Saturday night. I hope so. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on and I appreciate all your guys' hard work with the broadcast and everything you guys do for the racetrack. It's appreciated. Awesome, man. Well, we appreciate the show that you guys put on. You, you really make our jobs real easy. I can tell you that. Great, great job so far. Thank you, Steve. All right. There's Matt Query. Gibbs joining us here on where legends are made in our a main interview bonus coverage here for episode number three. 
Land of Legends fans. Want to win some swag? Listen up for this week's Dash for Cash. That's right. It's this week's Dash for Cash. Your opportunity to win some merchandise, some swag here from the Land of Legends Raceway. And we got to send a shout out to Paul Cole, promoter from Land of Legends Raceway, for tossing in a Land of Legends Raceway hat. So if you win the Dash for Cash this week, you'll be able to pick up that hat right from the uh, beer stand where we have the hats. Or if you're not going to be at the races uh, in the near future, uh, we'll, we'll get your information and we'll get it out to you for sure. That's part one. We got a second part for our Dash for Cash this week. Chris Doherty from Wicked Tees, uh, father of Jeffrey Doherty, one of our Pepsi Big Block Modified drivers. Um, they have uh, not been able to get to the racetrack yet, but I'm sure we'll see them uh, before the season's out. Uh, he drives the uh, Williams construction and spray foam number 22. Uh, but Chris Doherty, uh, his new business, Wicked Tees, has tossed in a T-shirt uh, for this week's Dash for Cash. So in order to be entered for the drawing for this week's Dash for Cash, we need you to put the feature winner from the Big Block Modifieds in a comment on the Facebook video for this week's uh, podcast. Uh, we talked about the race winner. And you'll have to listen to this week in Land of Legends Raceway history. We want the modified winner from July 2nd, 1994. Comment with that driver's name on the Facebook video post. And you'll be entered for this week's Dash for Cash drawing. And we will announce our winners on Facebook and on Twitter. So that's all you got to do to enter this week's Dash for Cash. And congratulations to our previous winners. Uh, we've already given away uh, different things this season. Land of Legends TV uh, subscriptions. We gave away a front wing to uh, Kelly Hebing's number 10C Sprint Car. And now we've got a hat and a Wicked Tees t-shirt. So comment away with the Big Block Modified winner from July 2nd, 1994. And Brad, uh, as we get ready to close out this week's episode of Where Legends Are Made, we'll preview this week's show. And like we said at the beginning of the program, not sure what Mother Nature is going to give us to work with this week. But this week uh, scheduled is Pepsi night and they're going to bring the mug bug with them. Uh, so they're going to bring that beetle bug car with the mug root beer graphic scheme on the outside of it. Be sure to stop by and see those uh, our friends from Pepsi. They are the official soft drink of the Land of Legends Raceway, the sponsor of our premier division, the Pepsi Big Block Modifieds. Be sure to stop over and say hello to them and let them know how much you appreciate their involvement with the racetrack in Canadagua. You can get pictures, take a selfie with the mug bug, and be sure Absolutely. to Absolutely. You got to go check out that mug bug. Uh, I've taken a couple laps in the back seat of that mug bug around Land of Legends, and let me tell you what, we... Uh, there was one time, I can't remember, it was definitely last year, one of the shows, we uh, we headed for turn three to hit the pit area, and uh, I don't know if the driver wasn't aware of the big lip that there is in turn three, but <laughs> I, I wasn't sure this. if the brakes weren't working or if he just <laughs> wasn't aware, but we were sailing it in. Uh, it, it looked like a, it felt like a sprint car coming into the pit area without the brakes. But Full send, huh? Oh, oh boy, let me tell you what. <laughs> He learned real quick what that lip was like, and we didn't we didn't jump that lip like that anymore. But <laughs> that little mug bug. And if you get there, go up to the folks here with Pepsi and ask them the backstory of the mug bug. That the 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 backstory of how 
the Pepsi um, the Pepsi folks locally here obtained that mug bug. There is such a cool story behind that mug bug. Go up there, uh, talk to the Pepsi folks, thank them for being here, for supporting the, the sport that we love, and ask about that, that backstory because it's just phenomenal. Also, looking ahead to next weekend, July 18th, uh, the first stop of 2020 for the Capital Region Sprint Association, CRSA, the 305 Sprint Tour, sanctioned uh, by Mike Emhoff from Mike Emhoff Motorsports, the sponsor of our 305 Sprint Division. It will be uh, their opening event for the 2020 CRSA uh, 305 Sprint Tour season. And, uh, of course, you know, there's so many tracks that haven't been able to open to fans you know, we're not just exactly sure what the CRSA 2020 schedule is going to look like. I know they've lost a few races on their schedule already, but we are happy to host them for their opening uh, round of the 2020 campaign for CRSA. They'll be with us on July 18th. You won't want to miss that. $15 general admission at the Land of Legends Raceway each and every Saturday night. And if you can't be with us at the racetrack, be sure to tune in with us on Land of Legends TV. Go to landoflegendstv.com and purchase your one-night subscription for the low price of $14.95, and you will see all five camera angles, pit interviews, victory lane interviews, down inside Casbah Victory Lane. We've got the new drone shot. I mean, it's just been phenomenal on Land of Legends TV, and we thank everybody that's joined us so far this season. Brad, any other parting words as we head out here for episode number three? Uh, just if you're if you've got that racing itch you want to get out to the racetrack come join us at the land of legends the atmosphere was absolutely phenomenal uh everybody was doing their part bring a mask uh do your part while you're standing in line for the concession foods i personally got to have my first dirt dog of the year last week uh last thursday and i'll tell you what it's just uh, like i said at the beginning of the show I, i i hate to say it but i think i took the fans for granted having them and, and just being used to everybody being there and, and having that first week since everybody was back, it was just it, like, it, it just goosebumps all over. Just incredible. The, the atmosphere and the enjoyment and, and the crowd participation uh, come out and join us. Cause it's only going to get better from here. Yeah, that's right. Don't forget, we are following CDC guidelines with social distancing. Bring a mask with you. Uh, Every race that we run, the whole world is watching, and they're just waiting to watch to be able to snap that photo to say, gotcha, and uh, just waiting for uh, something or some process to break down. So bring your mask, follow the guidelines so that we can stay open the way we are, and uh, we will see you at the track where hashtag legends are made land of legends raceway fans tune in each and every week of the racing season to where legends are made a podcast dedicated to covering the drama excitement and hear from the drivers from your favorite dirt track Stephen ovens and brad ovens walk you through the week that was where legends are made subscribe on apple or google podcasts and visit landoflegendspodcast.com